Okay, now I just lost audio. No, no one's talking. No one's talking. <laughs> ah, well, that's very different then, isn't it? Of course. Where's Scott? I'm right here. Scott is. Well, I that know. Way. I hear the voice. Go over here and wait. Well, there's only there's only there's only one camera. It's on my cell phone. Look there. There's Scott. Ah. I have to tilt. Nice. The, oh, have, okay. I see your hand. Awesome. I have to tilt the whole computer. So next time, what we'll do is we'll have it facing the other direction. No. <laughs> no. Great. So then they'll be. She'll be staring at the empty chair at the other end of the table. <laughs> the only way this is going to happen if was like everyone's on and there's webcams looking at everybody. Oh, okay. I, I we'll wait for a the little other bit important. More. The other thing is, is doing this. You really don't necessarily need the webcam on. I mean, yeah. we've got the audio. That's all that matters. Yeah. Uh huh. All right. Okay. Are you recording yet? I have been for okay. a minute and 37 seconds. Perfect. So, Ooh. wow, new technology. In the interest of Scott's times, five, four, three, two, one, go. <laughs> <laughs> Scott was going to take the day off today until Scott Treppel came into town. And, and then Cash decided to record a podcast. And then we monkeyed around with this. Hey, today is Rutherford B. Hayes Day. Well, I can't miss Rutherford B. Hayes Day. <laughs> I guess not. So y'all owe me a day off. <laughs> yes. Okay, that's fair. So we'll see you Monday. Ready to do a countdown? I, I, yes, I, already, I am. I already did. Uh, yours didn't count. You're not the uh, stamp show mistress. I was last week. That's true. Well, according to the introduction. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Tom, that is a terrible impression of me. My voice is much deeper. <laughs> Told Just you she saying. Well, I and with all this identity theft I'm going on with, <laughs> between him stealing my stuff and you trying to impersonate me, not happy. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm down your stamp like mistress. <laughs> Is that a little better? <laughs> yes, that's better. Oh, good. <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one. Hi, I'm Kim Kellerman from Ransdale Stamp Company, America's oldest stamp auction house in the country. And you are listening to Stamp Show here today. Look at them, madam. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Oh. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. What are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Oh, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Oh, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. From Spain and two from Japan. I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan. I got a plenty from Poland, but none from Sudan. or from Fiji or Uzbekistan. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together. Live from Studio B in the Rutherford B. Hayes Wing of the Library of Congress, this is Stamp Show Here Today, episode number 136. I'm Kaj, and today I'm starting a full beard in honor of Rutherford D. Hayes. In about five years, it will be done, and it will be magnificent. 
If I started that beard today, I wouldn't have it until I died, even if then. <laughs> I don't grow hair like that. I'm Scott. Did you know Rutherford B. Hayes eliminated booze at the White House? Only yays. <laughs> this is Tom, and I'll actually read this for the sake of cash. Hayes was our first president to be born in Kenya. <laughs> Uh, really, Cash? Really? Born, See, born now, now everybody knows. And I'm your stamp, Mr. Stone. Stamp show here today. Now with 42 grams of protein and no added sugar, except for Don. Yeah. Aw, that was nice. Yeah. And by the way, Cash, that whole beard thing—it ain't happening. <laughs> if anybody's gonna be sprouting their facial hair, unfortunately, it'll be me. <laughs> Ouch. TMI, sad, Don. Sad, sad, sad. That's what happens to us middle-aged chicks. TMI, Don. TMI. <laughs> As if you can't see it, I come walking in, right? Well, whenever you... Burchard. Burchard? Burchard. Rutherford Burchard Hayes. Oh, no wonder he went to B. I would, too. Rutherford Burchard Hayes was the 19th president of the United States from 1877 to 1881. He became president at the end of the Reconstruction era of the United States through a complex compromise of 1877, which we will be discussing. As president, he ended army support for Republican state governments in the South. He promoted civil service reform like Cash's hero, Chester A. Arthur. Hold on, hold on, hold on, stop. Did you hear that? I, I did. Yeah, it was just a it was a thing in the stuff. Oh, okay. Okay, never mind, sorry. I'll just edit around it. Go. Yeah, edit around it. He also tried to reconcile the divisions left over from the Civil War and Reconstruction, and we will discuss that also. Hayes, like a whole bunch of presidents, was an attorney. He worked in Ohio and was city solicitor of Cincinnati from eighteen fifty eight to eighteen sixty one. I got through that. <laughs> How about that? When the Civil War began, he joined the Union Army as an officer and was promptly wounded five times. Promptly. He earned a reputation. Promptly. He was promptly <laughs> wounded five times. Didn't, didn't he have a couple of horses shot out from underneath him, too? Hey, what's the thing about horses? I see that on uh, the news, too. They're tearing down all these Civil War statues. The horses were and racist. And the horses, too. I can see getting rid of the general, but what do you got against horses? He earned a reputation for bravery in combat and was promoted to the rank of major general. He then became a congressman for two years and then governor of Ohio for four years. He was the most honest politician that anyone could name, and given the perceived terrible corruption of the Ulysses S. Grant presidency, well, the Republicans knew what to do. So that is why we are discussing Ruddy, as his friends called him. They did not call him that, did they? Yep, they called him Ruddy. That's it. That's, Ruddy is short for Rutherford. Okay. I, I would have thought it would have been pronounced Rudy. I wonder what, what's short for Birchard. B. B? Yeah, R <laughs> Rutherford B. B, yeah, exactly. In 1876, Hayes was elected president in one of the most contentious elections in national history. The contentious. The most contentious. You said one of the most contentious. Yeah, uh, it should be the most. 
No, I'm going to say one of because there were others that were in a similar light. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss it. Yes, we will. He lost the official popular vote to Democrat Samuel J. Tilden, and then three states' results were disputed. Real easy, right? Yeah. The Constitution says what to do. You go to Congress, and the House votes for president, and the Senate votes for vice president. Well, given that it is written right there in the Constitution, you can well guess that this is not what happened. Of course not. It's a bunch of lawyers. (laughs) That's right. Congress made a committee of mostly Republicans who reviewed the three contested states and after agonizing analysis, which included tossing out a bunch of Democrat votes in Louisiana, they awarded all three contested states to Hayes. Just like magic. Ta-da. Ta-da. Yeah, it's funny because this election revolved around Florida, which it seems like they all do. Go figure. Go figure. And North Carolina. And Louisiana. And Louisiana, Hayes probably won Florida by just like a little sliver margin and probably North Carolina also. Louisiana, he clearly lost. But they kept saying, well, this precinct, we're going to toss everything out. Because nobody can read, so therefore nobody can. Oh, no, 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 no. This This was just blatant politics stuff where they went in and said, we are going to figure out a way to remove, and I forget what the n- exact number was, but it was about 8,000 votes. They needed to remove 8,000 votes, so they did. And as soon as they did, Hayes won those three states. He got 185 electoral votes, which beat Tilden's 184. He won by one electoral vote. He would have lost the presidency. And that's why they called him Rutherford B. Hayes. That was his title. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Rutherford B. Hayes. Yeah, that was funny. Rutherford. So I guess Ruddy is short for Rutherford and Rutherford. The result was a compromise of 1877 in which the Democrats acquiesced to Hayes' election and Hayes withdrew remaining U.S. troops protecting Republican office holders in the South. Yeah, so this basically ended Reconstruction. So the Democrats said, well, we can fight and we'll probably win or whatever. Or we can put Hayes in. And get rid of all these other people that they shoved down our necks. And get rid of er end Reconstruction. And my personal view is, you know, everything that we're going through right now with the Southern statues and everything. That was all done because we screwed up on Reconstruction. Reconstruction was a big screw-up. And we live with it today. I mean, Charlotte happened. Charlotte happened because Reconstruction. Charlottesville. Wow. Riots. Well, chalk that up to Reconstruction also. Or Cash's Corrections. <laughs> well, I yes. don't have to correct it now. <laughs> no, I did I did it for you. Okay. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, the burdens I bear. We all bear it. <laughs> okay, so what does all this have to do with stamps? Oh, well, because Rutherford B. Hayes was president, when he was elected in office, he wanted to get all of his, uh, all of the old people out of office, and that included appointing a new postmaster general. And 
And lots of postmasters. And lots of postmasters. And one of the first things he did was he told the postmaster general to create a new definitive series of stamps. And that's where we get the fourth bureau issue stamps, of which Rutherford B. Hayes is on the 11 cent value. Mm-hmm. It took him a couple decades to do it, but yes. Right. But in 1922, they were issued as a series, uh, and uh, it, it took them a little while, but they got the whole series issued. They didn't. They weren't all issued at the same date. Well, too. I mean, the other issues before it had two guys on it. Well, they were very practical in that they didn't issue them all at the same time. They waited for the stocks of the old stamps to run low before they started issuing them. So they didn't have to pay to destroy stamps like the USPS does now, which, it, in my opinion, is just grossly stupid. Well, especially since they're forever stamps, so you can, you know, you can literally sell them anytime in the future you wish. For face value. For face value, yeah. Whatever face value is. I mean, right. face value and goes up to 55 cents, you sell them for 55, whatever. Yeah. Just and like they're making more profit on the stamps that way. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I, I don't understand why they destroy the stamps. That's just idiotic in my opinion. But anyway, back yeah. to Rutherford B. Hayes. Well, going back, hold on, before you get off that, U.S. number 519. Oh, yeah. They had these leftover stamps that, you know, had been hanging around for, what, 20 years, 15 years, something like that? Something like that. Some, they had a bundle of, of stamps, and they said, you know, we are the post office. We're, we don't, we're not wasteful running through the perforating machine, and that's why you get the 1913 uh, issue with 1926 or 27, or no, 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 what is it? No, it's earlier than that. Yeah, you're right. It's 1909. 18? It's a 1909 issue with a 1918 perforation. There it is. Yeah, so it sat around for nine years, and they just perforated. They sent them back, had them perforated, and then sent them back to the post office. It yep. saved, saved a bunch of money. Yeah. Why don't you talk a little bit about expertizing 519s? Because this is one... Well, because we're not talking about 519s. We can talk about 519s in their time. Okay. Well, anyway, usually they're fake perforations. Uh, very frequently. And all the 519 collectors just got a collective. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, 519 is a stamp. You definitely need a certificate when you buy it. It is very frequently faked. Okay. So get back to Mr. Ruddy. So back to Mr. Hayes. Um, so he's responsible for the fourth bureau issue, um, which was issued in flat plate. And then they switched over to the rotary presses and they issued them perf 10, uh, on the rotary. And then they issue and just the low values. And then they issued, uh, the low values and then the high values, uh, on the 11 by 10 and a half or 10 and a half by 11, depending on which direction the, the stamp is. And uh, I mean, there were there were still doing experience experiments during that time, and which is why you have the two different perforations on the rotary press series. They'd settled on perf eleven for the flat plate stamps, but then they went to the the rotary press, and they figured that well, the stamps are going to tear apart if we perf eleven, and it was some of them did. So they backed off the in the direction of the paper flow. They made it ten and a half. Well, they first they went to 10, and it was too tough. So then they went backed off and went to 11 by 10 and a half. Yep. And uh, then you also have 
a problem with the rotary press sheets curling in the post office drawers due to humidity changes. And so they instituted gum breakers. And you start to see it mostly on the rotary presses and the fourth bureau issues. And uh, when you get into the 11 by 10 and a half, you actually have three different gum breaker types depending on how many ridges are evident on the back of each stamp and the spacing between the ridges. So there's uh, the three types are definitely collectible if you collect mint stamps. And that's part of the expertizing process for the Kansas Nebraska's, Mm -hmm. which I think we've talked about before. And uh, there's only one gum breaker type available because they were issued in a small period of time with uh, a small group of stamps and that were on hand. And that, so. Why don't you tell them what a gum breaker looks like? Oh, that's hard to describe. I guess the best, it would just be kind of like a ripple in the, in the, in the stamp. It doesn't break. It's not a crease. It doesn't break the paper. It's just like an impressed. Uh, it's like a little ridge. Yeah, when you when you flip it over on the back, it's like a speed bump. Yeah, that's what I would say. <laughs> it, it's how many speed bumps it it goes yeah. from the one end of the stamp to the other, and it's just like a speed bump. And Kansas, Nebraska's have one speed bump, and the not Kansas, Nebraska's, you know, the well, fake initially, ones have two. Initially, uh, the Type One, there were roughly five speed bumps on each stamp and then uh well that's too many yeah that and then they that lasted for a very short time if you see those you gotta grab them those are those are the er, those are the earlier printings really super scarce and uh and then they went they backed way off and now you have one and that's when the during the time when the kansas nebraska's were issued and then they and then they uh finally came back and the uh, third type has two now there are uh, some known that have uh, experimental gum breakers. I've got a two a copy of a two cent, and I think it has eleven or twelve. That one looks gum like breakers. a person took a comb and sort of combed the back of the stamp. Well, no, you're talking about the gum. Yeah. No, these are the gum breakers. These are experimental gum breakers. Oh, I haven't seen this from your collection then. Yeah. Cool. Um. So the, I, there are, it's it's kind of like an essay, but it's a, a yeah. Except that they printed them and then they said we right. are not wasteful, right? And they released them into the public, right? Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, if if you collect the the fourth bureau issue, gum breakers are certainly something if you collect mint stamps. Now back to Rutherford B Hayes on the eleven cent value. Uh, you'll notice in the catalog there are two listings. The first listing and is uh peacock blue no peacock blue is not list uh, is not the major shade it's um oh greenish greenish blue and bluish green i think or something like that and uh basically there's a blue family and a green family (coughs) and in the blue family the very earliest printing is what's called a peacock blue it's very clear uh it stands out when you see one it's it's the bluest of all of the 11 cent shades and that will be the first printing and that's uh that's another one you want to pick up when you see one it's well worth uh oh it's 
It's a scarce, scarce shade. You will find 200, 300. They go from bluish green to greenish blue, and it's like, uh, is it green, is it blue, it's whatever. If you see a haze 11 center and you go, there is no question in the world that is blue. There is no greenish in it. That yes. is the peacock blue, and that is an incredibly scarce stamp. You definitely want to grab those when you see them. And on the other hand, on the other end of the spectrum, though, there is, uh, it's kind of almost like a gray green, yeah, which is also very very scarce. Um, but that's totally at the opposite end of the spectrum. So, uh, it's fun to play with the eleven cent and do shade fans and things like that mm -hmm. get 20 or 30 different observable shades and just you know arrange them in a fan or something to show all the different shades that these things were printed in and that just had to do with the the ink mixtures mm -hmm. and uh, the the inaccuracies in mixing inks in those days yeah i had a circle one and the circle went from like a light bluish green all the way around to a deep greenish blue and then back again to light bluish green. But in the center, it had two peacock blues. And these just did not... The rest of them you saw yeah, they a nice gentle anyway. sort of flow from one color to the other and back again. These just do not fit in the color chart at all. There's no place to put them. Oh, absolutely. But I always look for these two. This is, this is a cool stamp. I've only found a very small number of them i yeah. mean they really are scarce i have a whole stack of them because uh, I, I, I buy them every time yeah I see that's them. probably it you buy them and i buy them and sell them. if they're not never hinged then i sell them yeah yeah i only keep the never hinged ones but um but you also said something and i think don did hayes was not the 19th president he was the 46th president <laughs> And I hate it because people ignore history. There were 16 presidents of the Continental Congress. Three of them didn't count because they were like before 1776. Yeah, so you, ro you rode that horse two years ago, Cash. Before 1776, the presidents don't count because we started in 1776. So he's, he's going to ride that horse till it goes to the glue factory. You betcha because my hero, my hero, John Hancock. That he's, horse has already been to the glue factory and been stuffed. <laughs> it's been reincarnated. <laughs> John Hancock, the Grover Cleveland of the Founding Fathers, he served three non-consecutive terms. So out of the 46 presidents, or 45 before Hayes, three of them were uh, Mr. Hancock. Back to the Rutherford B. Hayes issue. Um, in the Fourth Bureau flat plate printings there are a number of notable collectible varieties mm. not just on the 11 cent Hayes stamp but on the 2 cent stamp they there is a variety called long ear that is a collectible variety and they're not too hard to find although they are a little pricey yeah 100 100 and a half I think usually up to $300 sometimes you see them in blocks of 9 yeah with normal stamps all the way around um, there's the 25 cent, which comes um, with the bridge. Occasionally, perf 10 on one side, on the left oh. or the right. But uh, there's also very, a very difficult variety. to find. And then you have the bridge over the falls variety, which is a scratch across the plate, and it looks like because it's Niagara Falls pictured on the stamp, 
it looks like a bridge running across low. It, it's low over the falls, and it's very obvious when you see one, but they are incredibly rare. Mm-hmm. And then uh, on the 30 cent, there's My a double. My favorite. There's a little double transfer. Not a little one. There's wow. a big double transfer. Well, and that is illustrated in the catalog as well. Yeah, it's the uh, lower right corner. The entire 30 just looks like it's totally doubled. Now, and it's really clearly printed as doubled. Now, the two cent, there were so many plates used for the two cent. There are all sorts of retouches and broken lines and things like that that you can find. And you could probably spend a lifetime collecting just the two cent stamp mm-hmm. and its plate varieties. Yep. And I mean, I've seen ones where Washington looks like he hasn't shaved in a month. Uh, his, you know, his entire face is just big rash. Um, I, I, all sorts of things like that that you can find that uh, it's make a, that series interesting. Yeah, it's a great issue to. And then, of course, on the five dollar, you have the two the the early printings and the late printings. So you have a color shade variety. Yes. And uh, Carmen Rose versus Carmen Lake. You know, we get asked a lot blue. about this. Why don't you give them a really quick little overview of what they're looking for? On the $5? On the $5. Uh, well, the $5, just like a lot of the others, there's a, a range of shades. The Carmen Lakes are are going to be, first of all, the, the, uh, the, the red color is going to be very dark. It's going to have a lot of purple in it. But then the blue is also going to be a dark blue. And it's going to be deeper than the uh, the early printing. Yeah, I would almost say that the red for the Carmen looks red. And the deep red looks almost brownish. It's like a brownish red. It's got a definite brownish tint that you said was purple. Yeah. But Well, that's what it is. Yeah. But the, the early printings range anywhere from a a real rosy pinkish Carmen to just a nice strong Carmen. Yeah. And it's usually the ones that have a nice strong Carmen that get mistaken for the, the Carmen Lake. Very much. Just because yeah. they're darker. Uh, so when, when you collect that shade, you want to go for as dark one, uh, one that's as dark as you can find it. Hayes served just one term. He was succeeded by Garfield, who we talked about in prior podcasts, because he was the second president to get a stamp contemporary to his life. Scott's number 205 issued a year after he died in office. Obviously, Lincoln was the first. Then Garfield was shot, and Cash's favorite, Chester Arthur, became president. Hayes was a president first. First and only president elected by a congressional commission. First president to take the oath of office at the White House first president to visit the West Coast, first Easter egg roll on the White House lawn, first president to have both a telephone and a typewriter in the White House. Ooh. Ooh. Not the first to have an epic beard. Definitely not. No. So, we get emails, so summon the answer squad. Mike Pasco writes, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Afternoon. Another... Oh. <laughs> Late afternoon. <laughs> good day, sirs. Good day. Depends on your outlook. Ah, oh, there you go. 
another great episode. My wife's grandparents spent time in the Canal Zone after World War II, and they have many rich stories of life there. Grandma gifted me many Canal Zone stamps and first aid covers I need to comb through someday. You guys always mentioning editing while recording, but it's not clear if you ever do post a clean edited version. Am I missing something? I don't think they're missing anything. We, no, you, 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 the listeners are definitely not missing anything by hearing what I cut from the podcast. No, no. <laughs> most most of it is either snide comments, mess ups in reading some of the background, or just plain silence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, in the in the in the theater version of that, we call that trains running through your cues. <laughs> well, or airplanes buzzing the building. Yeah, things like uh-huh, that. Exactly. Yeah, you know, no, you're not really missing anything. Yeah, really aren't. Occasionally, we make fun of somebody and. It's just not appropriate, but that oh, doesn't happen. No, very those are often. the ones Cash leaves in. Yeah, I'll oh, leave, I'll oh leave yeah, those in. Cash leaves those in. <laughs> Unless we're making fun of him. Oh no, I leave those in too. <laughs> not all of them. He's equal opportunity. Yeah. How oh, would you know? Cash you don't listen to the podcast. Out the <laughs> well, window. Speaking of making fun of people, I never yeah. admit to it. <laughs> just did. <laughs> Let's see if that gets edited or not. <laughs> it probably won't. Yeah, probably not. Okay, next. I don't recall that you guys have discussed special one cancels from post offices under the band of totality. I stopped in Wheatland, Wyoming and got some eclipse stamp sheets and some custom cancels on envelopes. You know, me and Scott, while we were driving back from lunch, commented on this. I used to always make event covers. I made one for Carmageddon when they closed the 405 freeway in Southern California. I made one for uh, when um, Leonard Nimoy Len- died. I, Leonard Nimoy. All, all sorts of stuff. And I didn't make one for the eclipse. And it was like, how stupid is that? You know, it, it, we've had so much ongoing this summer that it just it's not something that's been in the forefront of our thoughts. And, and uh, you know, we just were settling into the new offices and, yeah. and, uh, and all of that. And y- you, you're traveling usually on Mondays. Yeah. And so it's it you just didn't think of it. You know what also it is is I have to find a local printer. Because having a printer downstairs where I can just give artwork and he can turn something around in 3 or 4 days makes those covers doable. Well, that's not a problem because you just email him with your artwork and you pick them up on the weekend. Yeah. And you should just make it part of your routine when you're there to stop by the office on Saturday morning. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's some local printers. Oh, I'm, I'm sure there is. I'm too. sure there are too, but I mean, if you like that one, yeah. you're there often enough. And this is for people out there. If you want to make event covers, generally speaking, you can go to a printer and they may just way overcharge you like at 50 cents a cover or something like that. Well, 50 cents a cover really isn't that much. Especially for a printed right. cache or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, they want to do, you know, maybe a $20 order. So they charge you 50 or, you know, they charge you whatever. Yeah. It, it's really easy. And you, everybody out there, if you have an event, I have event covers for when both of my kids were born. I have covers from when I moved places. I have, I, I used to make covers for all sorts of stuff. And it's you just. You gave me stamps from when you had a winery. Yeah, I, I made stamps for my winery. Yeah, exactly. And covers. Uh, you know, it's really fun. Everybody should do it, especially if you're a stamp collector. You know, mailing them to all your relatives 
all of a sudden all your relatives are now stamp collectors. Even and if, hey, even and if hey, they Cash, just collect it for you. Yeah. And Cash even encapsulated Twinkie boxes when Hostess was going out of business. Yes, I did. Yes, I yeah. did. I have tw- Twinkie box relics from Hostess. Of course, those don't matter anymore because they're back. Yeah. They brought them back. Yeah, yeah but they're not, they're not marketed under the Hostess brand. Yeah, but who cares? Exactly. <laughs> they're still Twinkies. Yeah. I didn't think about that. That was something if you would have told me in advance, I would have talked to my mom because she was in the area of totality. Oh. I would love to have thought about that and given my mom some stuff to send yeah, yeah. out when she was uh, leaving for the day. Oh, from, absolutely. From her deli. Absolutely. We were we were cloudy here, so it really wouldn't have mattered as far as seeing it, but you could still go to the post office and get a... Well, it yeah, did, but we it weren't, did but get we a little darker here. But we weren't in the line of totality either. No, we were True. At, we were at sixty two percent. Yeah, my mom was in the area that was 100%. the height of totality. Cool. I mean, I think she said they where she was was supposed to get a full two minutes and like thirty two seconds of totality. Mm. Wow! So she was right the in the mo- middle of that seventy the mile most, band. The most in the country. Which, by the way, I have something to say. Everybody here, throughout all of history. You do not have civilizations going blind. You don't have millions and millions of people going blind every time there's a eclipse. You know why? Because you can look at an eclipse. Don't look at it for a long time. They say about 15 to 30 seconds and then stop looking. Have a nice day, everybody. Anyway... Most people ran for cover in the Middle Ages because they thought it was some witchcraft. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. You're, you're probably right there. <laughs> that was true. Now I have four white envelopes with the eclipse stamp canceled with the one-day-only eclipse cancellation. Should I add a decorative piece to the envelope? I don't collect covers, and right now the pieces are odd-looking. Thanks for any advice. Here's what I would suggest. Find some good quality it has to be like some glossy nice print you can't use newspaper print or anything i would put pictures or stories or something out of a magazine over on the side don't print anything on it unless you're using a high quality printer a color printer and then you can add a cachet but realistically if you want to do something put something over on the side from like a high quality you know, like Time Magazine used to do that high-quality gloss. Well, actually, actually, I think I would probably just take the page out of the magazine and put it inside the envelope. Yeah, but you, yeah, you want the envelope to look kind of nice. You want to have a presentable envelope. Well, but it's still it's still presentable even though it doesn't have a cachet on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you have. Kind of depends what the cancel looks like and, though, and, too. And and seeing as you don't collect cancels or covers. Then, uh, you know, if you go to trade them or something, then the person receiving it can choose what they want to do with it. I mean, it's just an option. Yeah. I have my first day covers with the uh, You're the Dragon, and but the cancel is so big on it, it doesn't need anything else. Yeah. Are we petering out or abruptly stopping? Oh, I, I have a peter out. So here's uh, a... <laughs> <laughs> Only Cash can get away with that. <laughs> no, he didn't. I'm laughing. <laughs> I, I have. A, I have. A he li- didn't even realize what he said. Nah, no, he didn't. <laughs> n- n- now I do. After everybody commented <laughs> on it, um, that will be edited. 
The other <laughs> <laughs> I I had an item that I sold on uh, eBay, and I was kind of I thought it was interesting, so I wanted to just share it here before we sign off. Um, it was a UX one, the first postcard issued by Hawaii. And it was kind of dingy around the edges. And, you know, it wasn't in really great condition. It catalogs like 30 bucks. So, um, you know, you'd expect like five or six bucks for it. But I turned it over. And on the back of it was a membership form for a person to pay their dues to the Honolulu Rifles. Now, the people who don't know their Hawaiian history, the there was a kingdom and then the Honolulu Rifles were responsible for overthrowing the kingdom, overthrowing the republic, and making it a U.S. state. Well, it was a U.S. territory. And so, you know, this all of a sudden went from being a interesting stamp-collecting first postcard to, wow, this is really cool. So me turning it over, I put it on eBay, and I ended up selling it for $95, which is a far cry more than the you know, seven bucks that I expected before I turned it over. So, you know, I, that's, I love the story behind stamps. And that's why we do this podcast. I mean, Rutherford B. Hayes, if we just talked about gum breakers, nobody would listen to this podcast. But he is a cool guy. And this was a cool postcard. And I hope you guys enjoy the podcast because that's why we do it. Well, it's also, you know, collect, that's one of the things that collecting postal history has that uh, some people like oh yeah over over just kind of putting a collection of stamps together because you know one collection is very similar to the next collection unless you add personal touches and collateral material such as your eclipse envelopes or your mm-hmm. Hawaii postcard with the Honolulu rifles or your peacock blue yeah 11 said hey stamp yeah so uh, it's all about personalizing your collection. Yes, it's a collection that uh, can be similar to everybody else, but make it unique. Make it yours. This has been our Rutherford B. Hayes extravaganza. Ooh, yay. Uh, <laughs> I was going to um, mention uh, Crow T. Robot as Rutherford B. Hayes because supposedly somebody said that uh, Crow T. Robot on MST3Ks sounded like Rutherford B. Hayes. Now, I don't know if there's any recordings of him, but I guess... Well, they, he had a telephone. Yeah. So it's possible that they did have a recording of there are recordings of his voice. So Crow T. Robot and Rutherford B. Hayes. And with that, I guess we're out of here. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Don. 
Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper at gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. WC Stamps offers premium U.S. classic and rare stamps on eBay. They make sure that 90% of their inventory is always the lowest price listed. They also accept the best offers. Just search WC Stamps, all one word on eBay. Thank you for your support of the show. Return to send up. Address on